0: It is the 11 dubcast. I am Johnny. he is Andy. We, we it's there. We did it. It's the Michigan curse has been lifted. Finally, Ohio State got a win over that team up north. I'm so happy that we were able to get that monkey off our backs. Um, they did it in grand fashion. they they beat the Fighting Jim Harbaugh's by like a hundred points. and that's exactly what we all expected. Except for me, but I'm not gonna talk about that. We're not going get into that. We're just gonna we're gonna talk about how smart I am and how smart you are, Andy. How are you feeling on this on this uh, this Monday after the the game?
1: This is uh, this never gets old. I, we talked about this last week about the uh, the curse of growing up in the the shadow of the, the Cooper era, and so this never gets old. But it, man, it blows my mind just to think what a golden age this is. And I know we're going to talk about that's that true. later on, but I'm feeling, I'm, I'm feeling uh, fat and sassy, my friend.
0: <laughs> fat and sassy is a good way to be. I, I like, that's, you know, that's just a nice state of being. I, I appreciate that. Let's talk, so here's the deal. I have a lot of opinions that I want to put out onto the internet, as I'm sure you do as well. And before we get into the the feelings that we have inside our souls, I really do want to talk about the game itself Uh, You know, 56-27, that's pretty great. I'm not going to complain about that. It's actually a higher uh, margin of victory than was last year, which, you know, a lot of people think it was the blowout of the millennium. But, you know, I think that was a 23-point victory. This is a 29-point victory. With the same margin of victory as Jim Harbaugh's first loss against Ohio State uh, five seasons ago. So, I mean, this was – I felt like Michigan made it interesting for approximately one quarter. (laughs) Congratulations to them. They had a good offensive game plan. They were able to attack uh, a somewhat depleted Ohio State secondary. Wade was out. Uh, You've got guys like Reap coming in, not performing super hot in the first half. Shea Patterson had something like, I think, almost 250 yards, maybe around 250 yards in the first half. Their offense was doing what it had been intended to do. Gaddis came up with a good game plan. Uh, The problem was is that they had no answer whatsoever for J.K. Dobbins, and because Ohio State went into halftime with a 12 point lead, you felt like there was no way in hell Michigan was ever going to be able to surmount that. Because, and this is something we'll get into a little bit later, but that talent disparity is just so wild. Was there ever any point, let's say Michigan at the very end of the first quarter, they make it uh, 13 14. It's a close game, one point game, separated only by a missed uh, extra point. um Was there any point where you thought Michigan maybe was going to make a run on this? Like you look
1: at that, you know, at that time it was early on, and they're having some success defensively, right? So sure. that, that that was the thing that gave you pause was, oh, you know, if they can, if they can bottle up this offense any at all. Uh, that that's the concern, right? Because you know Ohio State, you're not going to catch them. That that's the thing. This offense is so good that if you get into too much of a hole like once it feels like once it's you know a two and a half score game like once ohio state's up by 14 or more they're not going to look back you know because unlike the days of trestle ball or, or even some of the spots that um, urban Meyer teams got in where you let a team hang around that maybe you could get bit ryan day shows no compunction for that he yeah. he knows you just have to put full throttle forward so yeah, it was it was about a quarter where just that, I guess, you know, Cooper era PTSD still says, Hey, this this <laughs> thing could switch any time, you know. It could right. it, it it could go the other and plus we're coming off a game where Penn State made it look competitive because Ohio State coughed the ball up a couple times. So that you know, that was also maybe the thing that was in my mind. But no, once they got, you know, more than 14 points ahead it's like this thing's over. I I said midway through the third on Twitter. uh, There's a nice little graphic from uh, at 11 warriors on Twitter that uh, shows like this hardball consternation. And I'm looking at it right now. The score at that time was like 41 to 16 in the third. And you know, my comment was like, just, you know, throw down your cards. It's, it's, it's over. You cannot come back from that. Michigan is not made to come back from that. Uh, And, and man, what a tale of two halves. First half, Shea Patterson looks like, hey, he's a future All-Pro. Second half, not so much. Credit Four for 24, I
0: believe, or something like that. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, which is wild because, I mean, yes, the threat of the run is is no longer there. And frankly, I would argue that it was should never have been there at the beginning of the game. Michigan's run offense, with the exception of maybe a couple games earlier in the season with Charbonnet, has just been booty. Like, they're not a running team. They, they just don't have the, the dogs on – you know, the offensive line to really support that, uh, here can I, so I want to, I want to push back against that a little bit because I, I think I go into the game with a certain level of nervousness just because of how, you know, I experienced it as a young person, but let's, let's talk about the first several drives that Ohio state had in the first half of this game. First drive, nine plays, 75 yards touchdown. Okay. With heavy dose of JK Dobbins, obviously. Mm -hmm. Second drive five plays 14 yards punt. Okay. All right. Maybe Michigan's figuring some things out. Third drive six plays 81 yards touchdown fourth drive nine plays 75 yards touchdown next drive nine plays 84 yards touchdown like here's the thing. Okay. I got the same kind of feeling, although not nearly the same amount of, you know, like excitement and anticipation, but I got the same kind of feeling as I did watching the Sugar Bowl against Alabama, which is these guys can't stop us, like period. They, They have nothing. They have nothing that they can do to prevent what's happening. And I was like, look, Shea Patterson could throw for 500, 600 yards in this game. They have to outscore Ohio State. That was the the bottom line. They had to outscore Ohio State because their defense just doesn't have the athletes or the players to keep up with the offense that Ohio State can bring to bear. And as Kyle pointed out in his, his piece, it's not like Ohio State is doing super wild crazy stuff, right? They've got they've got basically three ver- they've got variations on three different running plays that they run very well. Uh, They're not running some crazy route trees with their uh, passing game. They're just doing things really at a high level because they're good at it. They've executed extremely well because they're well-coached. And, of course, they have, like, the best players in the nation. So what do you do about that if you're Michigan, right? Like you you said, once you get down, you know, 42 to 16, and then you kick a field goal, well, you're done. It's over. Like, there's nothing you can do about that. And that's, you know, that's, like, right in the middle of the second half. You're done. So I don't I don't know, man. I here's my take on it. This is just my overall point that I'm trying to make, which is the disparity between Ohio State and Michigan is vast. It's huge. And I don't know what Michigan is ever gonna be able to do to make it up under Jim Harbaugh. I just don't
1: yeah and i think i mean that's so funny you're right on the money that the gap whether you want to call it talent gap whether you want to call it uh coaching gap whether you want to, whatever it was but uh man harbaugh was super salty when he got asked about that gap in the, yeah. in the press conference and and i realized being overly thin skinned and uh you know just mountainous uh, volumes of hubris are trademarks of the michigan man but man i really felt i think it was jordan strack asked the question in the press conference it's like that's a legitimate question coach you just got your ass handed to you on a platter for the yeah. second year in a row i mean you know okay more than five years in a row obviously here but two where it was like back to back obvious and apparent that you just got raced off the field uh you, you know you've got to be able to answer that question i thought um bill Connolly had a nice piece at espn today uh today or yesterday and he was talking about you know, Michigan's doing really well. They're doing better. Harbaugh's doing better than his predecessors did sure. in the grand scheme of things. But your barometer isn't, you know, the rest of the Big Ten, it's Ohio State. And you right. look, um, you know, well short of being competitive with Ohio State at five years into your tenure. I, you know, how much is that going to change anytime soon? Uh, mm, boy, I, I think you asked the question I don't think they have an answer to yet is how you change that aside from you know getting better players and being a better coach <laughs> like, right you know, I mean, and that's
0: and michigan is essentially like wisconsin at this point and, and that's and and trending downward and that's really like that's a problem we can address in a, in a few minutes here i do want to i want to shout out the ohio state players i don't want to dwell too much on michigan and their issues because justin fields who did not have a good first half i think he really struggled i i honestly think the the atmosphere the the stage overwhelmed him a little bit early on he found his footing he gets hurt comes back in throws a frozen rope you know 30 plus yards for a touchdown ended up with over 300 yards passing which i did not (laughs) predict uh at the end of the first half but came on really strong towards the end of the game and of course jk dobbins who was just dominant i mean this this it's not the record the all-time record is carlos hyde i believe in 2013 um but Dobbins was just, I mean, he, this is a classic J.K. Dobbins game where you start out, okay, you're getting four or five yards a carry, and then it just kind of snowballs, and eventually you're like, okay, there's a 30-yarder coming up, and bang, that's exactly what happens. And he just he wears teams down because nobody wants to tackle this guy. It's not that he's you know, the strongest dude in the world or the fastest dude in the world. He's just relentless, and I've never seen that guy go down uh, with the first hit. I mean, like, he, he will try to do everything he can. Like, obviously get hit behind the line of scrimmage or whatever, but he will do everything he can to fight through whatever tackles come his way. And I just re- I just really appreciate um, how relentless that dude is, how tough he is, because he just he doesn't stop. He just keeps going and going and going.
1: When you see him passing Eddie George and Ezekiel Elliott as – Yeah, you know, the, second all-time, the, they- man. That's just—I mean, no one's ever going to touch Archie Griffin. It's—it's not going to happen. Um, But to see him pass those two, like those are three guys as as Ohio State running backs that you kind of think, you know, that's the standard by which others are judged. Archie, Eddie, uh, (laughs) Archie, Eddie, and Zeke, and J.K. just comes in here and he's kind of like this quiet. You know, people just aren't giving him coming into the season the love that the other players get. i don't i don't know why i mean he's had you know these fantastic seasons okay last year in his his own terms was a bit of a an off year except it wasn't really an off year it's still fantastic (laughs) by most people's barometers and then he just comes in here in the most important game of the year and, and goes supernova uh averaging darn near seven yards a carry that's unbelievable yeah to average almost seven yards a carry in that game uh And in and then the end, then to cross the four thousand yard career mark, my, mind blowing. I do want to say too about Justin Fields. You you mentioned him early on. I mean, his stat line was just fantastic at three hundred two yards, four touchdowns. And what what still blows my mind about that? His stat line for the season: thirty seven passing touchdowns against one pick. Yeah. Whoa! Like yeah. wow! <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> I, I understand right now you know, Joe Burrow is, is walking away with this Heisman trophy and people are like, gosh, why are we even having a vote? It's so obvious it's going to go to him, but man, Justin Fields, I'm not sure he gets enough love for what he's done in his first season as a, as a starter, Um, you know, and, and then to go in and uh, also put up the numbers on the ground, he's not running, you know, he's not running a hundred times a game Um, and he's, you know, he's doing what he needs. He's playing smart ball you know as far as running when he needs to and maybe he's a little too conservative at times but it's because you know to some extent there's times in that that game late where i said why why is he still in the game you know back to what <laughs> we were saying earlier like there there was a feeling uh i was all i was all about it when he went out with that apparent injury i was like hey take me home country roads Let, you know <laughs> play 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 chuck and, look man he and, got that his
0: home. really good third down conversion i mean you know he can he can throw a little bit he can throw a little bit and, and I just
1: didn't think, you know, back to what I said earlier, Michigan's not built to come back from that. Now then Fields has his, right. Heisman, his Heisman moment really was that, like you say, he th- you know, he throws the dart. uh was on a rope and for the touchdown, that was, I mean, that was really, that was a signature moment to come back from what looked like a real significant injury. And he trots back out there and chucks maybe the best pass he'd thrown all day.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, he, he had a really great game just in terms of, like you said, his decision-making I am I'm continually impressed by his ability just to kind of play within himself. And I hate, I really hate that term, uh, but I think it applies really well for Justin Fields because he doesn't, he never seems like he's pressing. He doesn't feel like he's trying to do something that he's not capable of doing. And he might make a mistake or hold on to the ball too long, but it never feels like what he's trying to attempt is beyond his means And so as a result, he makes really good decisions throwing the ball. And, yeah, I mean, you can see that. You got one, you know, interception, like you said, against 37 touchdowns. I mean, it's to me, it's kind of amazing how mature he is um, within the game because a lot of guys with that level of experience and definitely in that situation would not handle it as well as he did. But, you know, he's he's done an excellent job, and obviously Ohio State's really lucky to have him. The other thing that I want to add, I mean, look – it feels like the past couple years, the Michigan game has been kind of a coming out party for young wide receivers, right? And Ooh. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, right? Chris Olave ran wild last season and also, by the way, was second on the team in receiving yards this year. But Garrett Wilson comes out <laughs> three receptions, which actually led the team uh, for 118 yards, has a touchdown. Uh, he's, he's sick. And the entire, I mean, Austin Mac coming back and, and having like an incredible game of his own and just have, you know, really some pivotal catches. Uh, this was a lot of fun to see the wide receiver core be as crucial as we've always wanted them to be. And obviously, you know, they had a really good, uh, year last year, but to see that continue over even after losing some guys, it's just a lot of fun. Like, I really appreciate that.
1: Yeah, Olave was, was my favorite guy this season. He just, you know, seemed like after that you know, statement game uh, against Michigan, that coming, that debutante ball coming out party, he just was really spectacular this season. I loved it. And seeing that same thing was, I mean, Cooper said it, if they're going to, you know, the dog's going to bite, he's going to nip as a pup. And, and the big biggest game of the season the young pups uh, bit pretty good. W- Wilson, I-, I love too that he was calling his own shot a year ago, right? And there was a great, <laughs> right. great, great piece in the the freshman tracker this week that talked about that. You know, it was a year ago. Uh, he tweets, you know, wild to think a year from now I'm going to be strapping up for the best rivalry of sports. Can't wait! And boy, you know, he he proved it uh, to be true. I just uh, went three catches for 118 yards. That's my. I mean, that's what a great stat line.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, So I'm I'm excited to see what big things come from him. And and you know, the other thing that I love is just think about. So Fields is coming back next season. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but Fields coming back next season, obviously, and and with the receiving core uh that he's going to have, I mean it's
0: sure. And you got a guy, guy, Matthew Teague, who looks like he's one hundred percent capable of shouldering a load at at running back. Um there's a lot. I mean, look, the, the team is going to be obviously got to replace some guys, and that's you know, that's going to be difficult, you know, particularly on the defensive line, I think. Because even though Chase Young was mostly neutralized during this game, which I was a little sad to see, I wanted him to have you know a big game. Um, and I expected him to have a game, big game, frankly, especially with the way he played against Penn State. I was surprised that he did not have an impact, uh, the way I expected. Um, that's going to be hard to replace, but. You know the skill positions are covered. I mean, it's it is kind of silly The the skill positions are one hundred percent covered at Ohio State, and it's they're going to be putting up points now. The defense has to make sure that they continue to to be as good as they've been this season. But yeah, man, it, you're right. Like I don't think it's getting ahead of yourself. I mean, you you look at the roster and you can tell top to bottom that this is a legit powerful team, and they're going to remain so for a while. So. And it's good to see. I mean, look, Ohio State, like, once again, was really consistent in terms of uh, their overall like balance. You know, 313 yards passing, 264 on the ground, 9 for 15 on third down. Michigan, by the way, was 2 for, for 13 on third down. Bad. Wolf. Um, You know, Michigan had less than 100 rushing yards against 305 passing yards. The, to me, and this is where we can get into this. To me, this is the... I mean, obviously you look at the scoreboard and you can see the disparity between the teams, but if you look at the box score and you can watch these games, you can see that there's one team that is leaning on a functional part of their system and hoping that will get them wins and another team that all cylinders are firing and they don't have to worry about that because if something isn't going perfectly, they know they can rely on some other part of their team to kind of carry them through. And to me, that is the difference between a coaching staff that is complete and a roster that is complete and one that isn't. And it's kind of absurd to me that Jim Harbaugh in five years at Michigan hasn't been able to develop a team that is actually like somewhere approaching balanced. And they, they simply aren't, they just are not balanced enough to compete with a team like Ohio state, which top to bottom is just impressive wherever you look.
1: When you look at that, I mean, what the balance that you talked about, you know, urban, I always said 250 yards passing 250 yards rushing and then you, you mentioned earlier, Kyle Jones' film study this week was just excellent in talking yeah. about how Ohio State has this offensive identity. And it's, you know, it's not cutesy-poo and it's not trickeration and it's not, you know, you you don't have to be Menza to figure out what they're doing on offense. They just do it at such a high level. And on the other hand, I mean, you, you've been saying this throughout the, the season and the threat level. You know, the, the, the lack of identity yeah, uh, at Michigan, I mean, that's a real problem. Like, at least, I mean, you, team, like, I mean, you compared them to Wisconsin earlier, but you, you look at Wisconsin, you know what Wisconsin football is. You know, you look at Oklahoma, you know what Oklahoma football is. Like, there's identity, uh, you know, even if it isn't Ohio State's, you know, brand of 250 yards, 250 yards, or, you know, built on a, you know, punishing um, rushing game that opens up a brilliant passing game I mean but there's you've got to find something like come on machine this isn't this isn't rocket surgery <laughs> you, you've got you've got to puzzle out some way that says this is what we're this is what we are and this is what we're going to do and yeah. you know it, it, it shouldn't be just touting your team's SAT scores like you got to come up with something
0: better than that <laughs> and I don't know that they will I mean that's the thing like it's What's what's infuriating about Michigan, at least in a macro sense, and, and how it looks for Ohio State and the Big Ten and whatever, is that it's not like they don't have athletes. They, they bring in four and five stars and whatnot, but they just cannot get them to play together and, and form something coherent. And it's just, you know, like I've been saying all season, they're throwing spaghetti at the fridge and seeing what sticks. And it's, you know, that's not coherent. That's not a philosophy. That's not a personality. That's that's not a direction for the team. And I just, you know, I don't it doesn't bother me really because I want to see Michigan <laughs> lose. But as someone who watches all of their games for the threat level piece, it's like it's kind of baffling because they don't seem to feel that it's a problem. And that's that's what I think is the weirdest part about it because you watch this stuff with Harbaugh and he's like, you know, how dare you insult our our perfectly good team with this. Yeah, you you see a guy who kind of looks at it, and and I think the fan base and the media obviously has woken up to this, but you see a guy in Harbaugh who's like, this is fine, like this is okay. We don't need an identity. We will just eventually like outbelieve our opponents and and win. And it, you you can't do it against a team that's as talented as Ohio State is. Hell, you couldn't even do it against a team as talented as Penn State. You know, <laughs> and they talk about this turnaround, and well, great, but you still lost to Penn State.
1: Okay. Here, and here's so, what i want to say coach harbaugh like look if you want to you know act in press conferences like bill belichick or nick saban you got to start coaching like him you know right and when you exactly. earn the right earn to be a complete jackass then then fine but until then you know eat your humble pie and answer the damn question like that's 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 all i got for you coach because right yeah. now you sound like a spoiled man baby you know and, and uh you know not answering for your relative sins so to speak like you know man right. up, you're like yeah we we stunk today <laughs> oh they played better today really you think good good so, talk, coach you lost by 30 at home on senior day yeah yeah they played better today good call
0: yeah and so you know the the level of i guess uh angst among michigan twitter is pretty bad right now and that's understandable but you know here's the thing when, <laughs> And I actually, when I was watching the game and, you know, there were some referee decisions that I'm sure that Michigan fans took exception to, although I think <laughs> for the most part, they were pretty good during the game. My kind of, you know, perception of this is that, okay, well, Michigan fans will blame this loss on the refs because the refs screwed them over and blah, blah, blah. And then as the game got more and more out of hand, I was like, wait a minute, that's probably not what they're going to rest their laurels on. Cause they're going to realize that that's BS. Like you can't, you can't credibly make that argument. So I was like I don't know I don't know what Michigan fans are going to do because really their their biggest pastime after the Ohio State game is to find some scapegoat that they can you know blame for the game and you know the, the the call you know the spot was short or the spot was bad or you know uh I don't know like you know Ohio State cheats and blah blah blah. and I was like where what direction are they going to go cuz I was really fascinated what are they going to say to try to like claim that Ohio state only won by crook, right. Instead of hook. So what, what did they, what did Ohio state do? And it wasn't paying off the refs. It wasn't, you know, uh, like figuring out their plays or doing something wonky. It was of course that Ohio state has simply, you know, bad academic standards and they fell into the trap. They fell into threat level of Michigan. They th- fell into they the lowest level of threat level because they can't stop talking about, like, that's their old standby, which is we're just too damn smart to play football. We're just too damn smart. And so what I want to trans- transition into before we get to ask us anything and maybe, you know, wider college football stuff. Look, I didn't talk about this. I didn't talk about this in the threat level because I write the threat level on Sunday nights. And I, I write it. I go to bed. And I'm like, cool. All right. I'm done thinking about Michigan. And I I don't like calling out specific people typically on the Dubcast. But I got to tell you something, man. There was a big shit storm on Twitter with uh, Brian over at MGO Blog posting his, you know, annual kind of decompression uh, of a loss after the game. And typically, it's it's woe is me. Let's post some otters or the Muppets or something, and it's it's silly and it's fun, and I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm look, I'm not hating on that. Goofiness is great. That's my you know stock and trade. I have no problem with that. But he also decided this year that he wanted to basically attack. You know, not just the intelligence of Ohio State fans, which is really part and parcel of the whole thing, but. He also wanted to say that, well, you know, Justin Fields is just a dummy who goes to online classes. He's an idiot. And all these other players are just kind of these, you know, chumps who go play for Ohio State for no real reason other than to get in the NFL. And they don't get an education. But, of course, our brave and noble noble athletes at, at Ann Arbor, you know, they're they're there for the right reasons. They're, you know, their general their general studies degrees are, are hard-earned. And they're, they're going to, you know, go on and do great things in the world after this um here's the thing and i i was telling you this and i'm sorry i'm kind of going on a rant here but it's it's just something that's been pissing me off i i talked to you about this andy before we started recording here's the deal if you brian cook want to just do away with being emotionally invested in college football and the game and and michigan and ohio state that's fine that's great i have no problem with that quit bye i'll never have to hear from you again but stop with the stupid, ridiculous rivalry crap. Because if you're done with the rivalry, if you're done with Michigan-Ohio State, cool, be done. I have no interest in any of your opinions after that. If you want to continue being invested in the rivalry and and experiences the highs and the lows, and for you, obviously, the mostly lows, if if you want to continue doing that, then you can, by all means, talk about pooping in coolers and and how dumb Ohio State fans are and how, obviously, our, our horrible degrees mean nothing. Uh, that's fine. That, that'll that be part of the rivalry. But if you're truly done and and you're going to like take your ball and go home, then stop talking about anything else that goes along with it because it doesn't matter. I don't care. No one else should care. And frankly, from a guy who wrote a piece defending Frank Clark in the midst of talking <laughs> about how you started to fight with a teenager, guess what? You don't get to claim a moral high ground anymore. Okay? So my point is, if you want to stick with the rivalry, great continue that. That's, that's awesome. I want to hear that, that that's part and parcel of what we do, right. As Ohio state and Michigan fans, but if you're truly done with the football part of it, you're done. I'm done. I don't care anymore. I really don't care. And neither should anyone else because your opinion means nothing. So pick a side, but otherwise don't just be a little baby and, and post dumb crap on the internet. That's my take on, it. sorry for the rant. I apologize, no. but not to Brian Cook.
1: Yeah, I, I got to tell you this—this this whole thing—and and it's uh, it's not just Brian lashing out like an entitled enti- man, baby, in, in his post uh, about Fields. Uh, but you know, there's some people out there apparently taking shots at Joe Burrow uh, for taking online classes <laughs> right. at LSU. Like, a for one thing, dude's already got his degree from Ohio State, so he's getting an online master's at LSU. Whoop friggin' do! But but two is somebody uh, you know, myself here, who did two master's degrees at two other Big Ten universities online. Um, you know what? Take a flying F at a rolling donut there, Paco, because <laughs> uh, I'm I'm telling you, doing, doing online coursework uh, while working a full-time job, which one could extrapolate and say, you know, playing D1 college football is a lot like working a full-time job. Uh, that kicked my hind parts on numerous occasions over the two years I was working on those yeah. degrees. So, you know, the fact that people are taking shots at Joey B. and Justin Fields for their online classes, uh, you, you know, okay, boomer, as the kids say these <laughs> days. Like, I, I have no time for you in this nonsense. As far as it pertains to the rivalry, and Brian here, you know, I'd have a lot more respect for somebody rolling in after 0 and 5 uh, with Harbaugh and saying, fire everybody. I mean, I got to that point. Right. With, right. I got that point with Ohio State's basketball program, you know, and, and, uh, as much as, you know, I loved what Coach Mata had done, um, I got into it on the 11 Warriors boards a, a couple times in my, my moderator days with people who were like, oh, you hate Ohio State because you don't love that mod." I'm like, I loved that Mata five years ago. You know, now it's time to start winning ballgames again. Like, I, I don't have a problem with that. But this, like, looking and casting about for whatever the latest excuse is, no, come on. and And better yet on this deal with Michigan – uh 21 of your roster this season is majoring in general studies it's like give me yeah. a break and oh by the way somebody pointed out on twitter michigan was running spots during the game for their online nba program so <laughs> right. again you know this on you michigan man uh this is the lamest of the lame things i'll even tolerate the officiating excuses before i'll go at this nonsense of course about, uh, <sighs> of course
0: yeah. And here's the other thing, man. And this look, this is the other thing that really kind of pissed me off. This is just kind of a macro thing. It's not even an Ohio State, Michigan thing. This is a macro college football thing. You know, look, you're going to claim that this, you know, what Ohio State does and how crappy it is of a university, which, again, I don't feel like I need to clarify, but Ohio State's a really damn good school to go to. It, I will I will praise its current classes for making my degree look much better. But it is a very difficult sk- school to get into. Now, obviously, athletes have a different standard and whatnot. But it's not like these people. Not are all to hear it from
1: them, Johnny. Not to hear it from them. Well,
0: I know. And but here's here's what pisses me off, and this is what I this is the other thing that I think is really just kind of infuriating about this is that you know you're going to carry water for the NCAA and this mythical idea of the student athlete that the NCAA is trying to reinforce that we all know is bogus, right? Like I don't think anybody is that naive. Including Brian Cook to believe that you know these student athletes at even places like Michigan are actually getting the full quote unquote college experience, like right? college academic experience. We're not that stupid, but for the purposes of this article that he lays out, you know this this the screed he wants to pretend that the NCAA is some bastion of like academic you know integrity, which it's not, and we know it's not. So let's stop pretending that even at Michigan these these student athletes are getting this complete, you know, mythical experience as an, you know, an educated young person because that's not happening. And if you think that it is, if you think that Michigan is immune from boosters who are slipping $500 handshakes or, you know, people giving out shoes or people who, you know, take online classes and, and you know, are more fo- focused on football than on their academics, then I got a bridge to sell you. And also, I think it's incredibly naive for someone who's been in the blogging game, the, the sports blogging game, as long as he has to go ahead and you know just be all in on that particular argument because we both know it's bs so quit saying that ohio state is just this uniquely horrible place when we all know that the way the ncaa has this thing set up is disingenuous and wrong no matter what school you're at so i'm sorry do i feel bad about you know chase young getting a loan and paying it off no and i'm not going to feel bad and i don't think that cheapens anyone's you know, degree from Ohio State. I think that's ludicrous and dumb and stupid and really reaching for just a way to, you know, feel superior after really crappy football loss, which apparently you claim that you don't care about anymore. So, cool beats. You know, the other thing that
1: I love about this discussion about, uh, you know, Michigan's, uh, you know, supposed academic superiority over Ohio State, you know how many uh, academic All-Americans Michigan's had in the last 10 years? I believe
0: that's three.
1: Is that th- is that correct? No, according to their media guide, that's a big fat zero over the last oh, zero. They have
0: zero. OK, well, wow, oh,
1: Z- Zoltan Mesko, 2009. You may remember Zoltan. Love Zoltan. Uh, He's uh, great. Yep, yep, yep. Putting away and uh, fine student. Apparently 2009, according to their own media guide, um, that was the last one. And in fact, in the 2000s, he is the only one since 2000 to make first team. Now they did have in 04 and 05 a, a pair of second team uh, All Academic All American selections. Uh, you know, the, the and I believe Ohio State uh, has had a few more than that, including uh, safety Jordan Fuller, uh, who was an Academic All America last season, if, uh, if memory serves. And I'm pretty sure there have been quite a few. Yes, let me see here: one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, six. In the last five years, according to Ohio State's press release on Jordan yeah. Fuller. Gosh,
0: that's fun. Isn't that yeah, fun? Jordan, right. And Jordan Fuller, a dude who has like, you know, plus three six, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a plus three six GPA. It's not like he, he's taking like, uh, I think it was business marketing or logistics or something like that. He's not taking a puff piece. yet got Harry Miller, who was a valedictorian of his class. I mean, it is it cheapens the very real academic accomplishments that these players are making. And yes, some of them are taking BS blow off classes because that's you know, they want to get in the NFL and they don't care. That's literally everywhere. It's dumb to assume otherwise. Uh, but I also think it's it's just insulting to the players that really are putting in, you know, really good academic work to really, you know, further themselves um because you don't like the color of the uniform and it's stupid and it sucks and you know i i want to celebrate guys like jordan fuller and harry miller because they do kind of represent that ideal and it is possible but it's also in the face of a you know a situation that the ncaa has kind of created and it's not it's not to say that they are doing it wrong if you're in it to try to get in the nfl someday but that's just kind of the reality of the situation and it doesn't cheapen you know, an Ohio State degree, or a Michigan degree, or a Notre Dame degree, or even like you know a, a Mississippi State degree. Um, so I just, like I said, I I just think it's really silly. It's it's the most obvious stereotypical Michigan man thing to fall back on. Our SAT scores are better than yours. Our business school is higher ranked than yours. Like nobody cares. If if you're trying to separate from the rivalry. If you want to be part of the rivalry, fine, everything's fair game. But if you're saying you don't care about football anymore, good. I don't care about you anymore. Stop talking. Um, so that's entirely too much time devoted to Brian Cook and go blog. I, I, I apologize for the rant, but I just want people to understand, like the, sports is supposed to be fun. It is. That That's, I love sports. I love the Ohio state Michigan rivalry. Uh, but when you start taking it a little too seriously and thinking of this, this truly epic battle between good and evil that you actually believe in, <laughs> You, you've got to stop you have to stop just shut up about it and and everybody will be happy but you've got to stop find another interest in life do something else because <laughs> it's it's getting to your brain you get, your brain is is got worms in it and you got to get them out um so that's all i got to say about that and look this is a fun game and ohio state is gonna on, go on to do fun things we're going to indy andy how do you feel about the wisconsin matchup how do you feel about that rematch where we are going in and have to, to play uh, the fighting tailors Taylors
1: again. Yeah, I think if you had asked me this, you know, even even a month, six weeks ago, I'd say, gosh, you know, it's it's tough to beat a team twice in the same season, you know, start sputtering out some, some you know, like cliches on that topic. However, comma, Ohio State opened at an 18-point favorite. Ohio State has walked the dog on Wisconsin about 27 times in the Big Ten championship game. I think there's uh,
0: 7-0 and in their last seven uh, matchups against the Badgers. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and,
1: and, and what makes me feel bad about saying this is that I really like Wisconsin as a university. Some of my favorite people in the world are Badgers. Uh, I have nothing but respect for that. Now, talk, you want to talk about academics and so on, like as a, as a fellow land grant institution, that does some really fantastic work uh, in the agriculture industry is near and dear to my heart, like, Wisconsin's an institution I respect so much so that I actually applied to grad school there many, many moons ago. Never went, but but it was one that was very high on my list of places where I considered spending a couple years of my life. So I feel bad saying this, but like I just have no fear of Wisconsin in this game whatsoever. And I don't <laughs> think Ohio State does either. I think it's one of those, you know, you you you'll respect your opponent and and so on and so forth, and you know but Ryan Day Jeff Halfley, those guys, they've got their number. This is not going to be, you know, nobody's going to be on upset alert going into this thing. It's
0: just yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, really is the kind of situation that you see with Michigan a little bit because they are pretty one-dimensional in a lot of ways. And it's not that they're a bad team, and it's obviously not that they don't have talent because they clearly do. But, I, you know, <laughs> the problem is, is that they just simply don't have the kind of depth that Ohio State does at the various positions. And I, I think the line shifted a little bit. It's not like 16 and a half for Ohio State. That's still ridiculous. That's still a huge uh, favorite. I, you know, it's interesting about Wisconsin. Wisconsin has a really, uh, the history between Ohio State and Wisconsin in terms of what that matchup has meant for Ohio State you know, and and going forward, and and you know, just historically, it's kind of interesting. Recently, because obviously Wisconsin was the recipient of several beatdowns that have benefited Ohio State quite a bit, um, but I don't know that they feel that Ohio State is like a huge rival. I think they kind of just shrug their shoulders there, like, yeah, that sucks. Like they're not, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of heat coming from Madison. They It doesn't seem like they're like super high on. You know, beating Ohio State. I mean, you, you said you got friends. Are they are they kind of chomping at the bit to have another shot at the Buckeyes?
1: I not that I've not that I've seen yet. Uh, and and in fact, it was kind of interesting. You know, I think going into the first game, some of my my friends and, and clients and colleagues that uh, are are either in Madison or did their studies there. You know, I think they felt like they had a they had a chance. You know, and it was early enough sure. in the season the first time. You know, they felt like there was, and you know, coming out of it was kind of. I don't want to say they were demoralized, but I mean, I think they maybe shell shocked was, was the right word. It just, you know, Ohio state does what Ohio state has done in recent memory with Wisconsin is like take a, you know, an all world running back and make him look average. I mean, that's what Ohio state's done the last three or four times Wisconsin's met where you have these, you know, sort of like all pro type running backs are who are putting up, you know, video game type numbers and they just totally shut them down and then you realize okay that's what you that's that's all you got that's what you hang your hat on and that's pretty good for 10 games out of the season but you know Ohio State is so well balanced this is the other thing that's interesting about Wisconsin compared to you know say Michigan for example like Michigan's defense when you look at like the advanced analytics you know you, you get tired of hearing me talk about sp plus but um you know michigan's defense was significantly better than its offense um wisconsin is much more balanced you know rankings wise they're both um, both their offense and defense are in the top 15 in sp plus the the challenge that they face is ohio state's offense and defense are both in the top 4 the other right. piece of their puzzle is ohio State's special teams are in the top 20 their special teams are number eighty-seven. So yeah. you know Ohio State's doing things. We I mean, get some of the best kickers in the country, both uh, you know field goal and, and punting. You know, not that we're going to do a whole heck of a lot of that, um, but special teams wise, you know. So you have this Ohio State team that is firing in all cylinders in every phase of the fa- phase of the game. Uh, it seems like every player at every position uh, is a potential draft pick or at least you know a blue chipper and Wisconsin just isn't. And and that's you know that's okay. I mean they're 10 and 2. They're a really good football team, right? But Yeah, of course. I state this is I mean I don't think it is a stretch to say this may be the best Ohio State team of my lifetime. Like I don't I don't feel like I'm just being super over the top with hyperbole when I say that.
0: I you know I I kind of disagree on that. I I think the the talent-wise uh, you know, 2014, 2015. I mean, just the sheer amount of NFL talent that they put into the league is just really ridiculous. I, I think top to bottom, those teams were stacked in terms of um, you know players a little bit more than this one might be. I, I just think right now what you've got is an incredibly efficient team, and you know, obviously you've got some some world beaters on the defensive line, and you've got really solid guys in the secondary. I just, to me, the reason why I'm not concerned about the wisconsin matchup on the seventh is mostly because i you know i just don't have faith in guys like jack Cohn. you know what i mean like and it's not like he's a bad player i mean he's a decent player but one of my favorite statistics or at least one i think the funniest statistics in this game is that cone only has like like 300 some yards fewer passing than uh Justin Fields but it's also because he's had to play the entirety of like every game right <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. and it's 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 goofy because you look at these stats like okay these these two you know aside from the touchdowns these two quarterbacks are relatively even and it's because you know Justin Fields doesn't throw in the fourth quarter, like ever. So it's just it's funny to me because on paper, you know, you look ESPN, for example, has like that head-to-head stuff. And it's like, okay, Jack Cohn's got 2309 yards. <laughs> Justin Fields got 2654. Taylor's got you know seventeen hundred sixty one yards rushing. J.K. Dobbins sixteen fifty seven. All right, we got some we got some matched equally matched players here. You know the best receiver is uh, Quentin Cephas. He's got seven hundred twenty yards. Chris Olave's got seven hundred five. This is going to be a matchup for the millennium. And you know you you actually watch the games and you realize oh none of these guys for High State played in the second half of any other of games. Like so at it's
1: just- all hardly.
0: Yeah. And that's really what the I think that's what the difference is. And that's probably why Ohio State is a two touchdown plus favorite. I don't want to say, you know, crazy things can't happen because obviously crazy things have happened in reverse with Mich- or with Wisconsin and Ohio State. Um, but I just don't think Wisconsin has the dogs to do it. And if Ohio State gets out early, it's going to be a Michigan situation. And they're not built to come back um so you look ohio state put up 14 points in every quarter against michigan if something similar happens to that in the first half against wisconsin lights out forget it you're done um because wisconsin's not coming back from that
1: yeah and and the difference is is for sure the offensive breakdown. because if you look at wisconsin's defense and you know doing the head-to-head i thought there was a, a real real nice piece dan did this week kind of uh previewing the matchup and the, the statistical comparison is, you know, it's not lights out different between their defenses in terms of, you know, points allowed, rushing defense, passing defense, and so on. Wisconsin's top 10 in literally every category. Ohio mm-hmm. State's top five in literally every category. But, it, you know, we're not talking about 15 and 20 paces apart but then when you get into the offense, that's where it's, that's where it's much, much different, right? So Ohio State's top five in almost every category. um, And, and Wisconsin just isn't, you know, their third down conversions, their, their best, um, you know, indicator in in those different uh, statistical categories, throw the stats out and all that and so on. But I, I just don't see this as being a super competitive game um, for Wisconsin. Maybe, maybe I'll be wrong, um, but, but I don't see it happening. And, you know, the other thing is after watching Wisconsin just mutilate the Gophers uh, you know it's kind of a reminder of what a bloodbath that game might have been if Minnesota had, had come into this game like it's just I think that there were a lot of people who were like oh it'd be kind of interesting to see Ohio State versus Minnesota we talked about it as a staff like it'd be more interesting I think to see oh sure Minnesota yeah we want to fans. see
0: that, that road I mean come on
1: r- r- yeah right it on it on down to Indiana- Indianapolis but you know Wisconsin really just took them the woodshed uh, in their, their, their in their rivalry game so you know that uh i, I think the the fighting flex would have been uh mauled by uh, fields and and dobbins and company if that game had come to pass but sure. yeah I think, I think we know we're gonna get saturday night i'm excited for it you know it's a big 10 championship game Th- what this reminds me though you know, Urban Meyer won a shockingly small number of Big Ten championships relative to the overall success True. of his team. You know, whereas we had Jim Tressel that won it pretty much every year, um, relatively speaking. It it just kind of is a reminder what a what a weird, you know, kind of postseason um we've gotten to in in college football now, relatively speaking. We looked and said, you know, Urban Meyer was this this uh you know incredible one. What, nine out of 10 games um the coach to ohio state and you know but here we are we're back at this big 10 championship so i'm never never bored with winning big 10 titles like that <laughs> yeah that's the goal yeah. every year right so
0: yeah however it works out it's always a lot of fun to pay attention to um all right so that we'll see how that goes we'll give our score predictions before we get out of here uh but next is ask us anything and remember ask us anything and the Dubcast are both sponsored by the dry good store uh at 11 warriors drygoods.11warriors.com obviously it's getting a little bit colder i'm always going to plug the winter hat favorite item but of course we've got the you know win november sh- uh, sweatshirts which really you can wear in any month let's be honest um so this is ask us anything you can ask us anything by sending us questions to dubcast at 11 com or at 11 dubcast on twitter this one's from jimmy Uh, Jimmy just wants to know, uh, you know, big picture, where does Michigan stack up against the other top programs in the Midwest? So Ohio State's number one, but where does Michigan compare to Penn State, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, whatever, et cetera?
1: (sighs) Uh, I think they're behind
0: all of those that he listed. When I, he listed Penn State, Notre Dame, and Wisconsin. They're behind all three of those teams.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I might I might put them a, a touch of ahead of Wisconsin just on general principles because, you know, of all the stuff that Michigan men hang on to, like there is something sure, he yeah. said for the tradition and the academic prestige and, you know, all that sort of thing. They have, they have this you know, an infuriatingly catchy fight song, you know, things That's like that.
0: I might. The, pageant is, the pageantry and history of michigan is fantastic it's yeah. great yeah problem i mean is it's that as kevin so. pointed out yeah. the three favorite seasons this is the best <laughs> tweet by the way the entire weekend the three favorite seasons of the michigan man uh is 1997 next season and any season before 1950 and that is 100 percent correct
1: Oh, that's so true. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I would for sure, but because here's the thing, you know, when you start stacking up Notre Dame and, and Penn State, uh, number one, I'd say Penn State at least has given Ohio State a ball game over the past five seasons you know they're they're at least Penn State has made the Buckeye sweat on occasion right so sure uh, I gotta gotta give the nod and I'll, I'll say this James Franklin he's made a believer of me because when he came in I was like okay here's another you know kind of um uh you know big talker uh big recruiter but maybe they don't really know what they're doing on the he he's walked the the walk I'll, I'll give that yeah. guy credit I thought he was all sizzle and no steak all hat no cattle and you know, I think it'll be a sad thing if he flutters off. To saw there were some rumors this week that he was interested in the Florida State job, and I have no idea um, what he would take so okay. at all.
0: It's, that would be so it's, dumb it's, for him to
1: do that. I mean, I know it's warmer, and uh,
0: I know that I know the recruiting grounds more fertile. And you don't have to deal with recruiting against Ohio <laughs> State and all that stuff. I get it, but you don't. That that is just such a crappy situation I mean, to walk into. I yeah, Iowa can
1: say you have a better shot at winning the ACC than you do at winning the Big Ten. I mean,
0: may, maybe maybe, I, I don't know. Assuming you be uh, Clinton, but, but, but I, you know <laughs> See, so they say but thing about the state and the Big Ten. Gotta, yeah. Right. So, so I don't know.
1: Uh back to the question. I mean, i for sure, I would for sure at this stage stage in the game. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put Michigan behind Iowa yet. No, we're not we're not there yet. I don't I don't think. Uh, But you, you raise a good, I mean, you raise a good question with I but, but, but this, this question though, brings up the bigger issue for Michigan. Like, you know, Michigan men, uh, if at some point you've really got to start thinking about long-term what this stretch of mediocrity, relatively speaking, particularly in the rivalry means for your ability to continue to be Michigan, like at some point, because look at Nebraska. In the Tom Osborne era, Nebraska was this, you know, elite behemoth, right? And had national titles and sure. just consistently, and ever since, you know, they were maybe too capricious in getting rid of Bo Pelini just because he's a little rough around the edges. But he, but even at that, I mean, Nebraska's never come back from the wilderness. And, and uh, you know, I'm not sure if Frost's going to get them there or not. I mean, I feel like he, he could, but, but Michigan, they may not. you don't have to worry about that. Don't you? I mean, right, but they may not. So don't, don't you have to worry about that to some extent if you're Michigan? That at some point, Florida State, hey, we we're talking about Florida State a second ago. There's another example, right? Like, this is an elite big time program for a number of years. And now you're kind of like, is anybody scared of Florida State? No. No. And And how? Now, you think Florida State can come back from that because. Where they are in Fertile Recruiting Ground and some of those kind of things. But what you just said, why would you take that job? USC, here's another great one, right? Like, we're everybody sitting here waiting on whether or not Clay Helton's going to get fired. You know, I mean, in the trestle era, USC was the 800 pound gorilla, right? Like, you looked at USC and you're like, man, that place is amazing. They've got all this history and the tradition and the national championships and Heisman Trophy winners and the Song Girls and all these kind of great things. And, you know, they've never gotten their mojo back to that to that degree so you know time away from being elite you know it gets harder and harder to get back to the top of the mountain
0: yeah and that's and that's really the thing a lot of this is about momentum and finding the right coach and look Alabama Alabama was garbage right in the late 90s early 2000s they found a coach that could turn it around but I think a lot of it is just like opportunity and also Uh, institutional advantages. And I don't think Michigan has really a lot of those at all. Like you're, if you're in the South, you're going to have a more fertile recruiting ground. You're going to have more player people who are playing football. You're going to have better recruits in general. Um, You don't get that as much in the Midwest and especially in Michigan, which, you know, is not as, you know, I think focused on, football in the same way that louisiana might be or georgia might be and so as you know you're gonna have to go down there and recruit which is fine i mean obviously ohio state's done well recruiting in florida and texas and georgia and places like that but you got to really put an effort into it and then also you're gonna have to compete against you know the ohio states of the world for that my point is is that michigan can't just find a great coach you know and then be back to prominence And because of that, you're either going to maintain this Wisconsin level of relevancy, you know, relevancy to the nation, okay, or you're going to start backsliding a little bit. And right now it feels like they're backsliding. And not because they don't have talent or they don't have the ability to win games, but it's just they don't have an identity. And it's weird for a program that's been around for so long not to have that so Ohio State has an identity. We know what Ohio State is. Ohio State is like win or die, baby. Like it's, you know, like this is Mad Max out here. We don't screw around. And it ain't no but it is. Like you have to win. And it's funny because, you know, people were comparing Jim Harbaugh to uh Cooper, you know, uh, this past weekend. Like, man, I just can't get over the hump against his rival. Look, Jim Harbaugh is not John Cooper. Jim Harbaugh is Earl Bruce just without the rivalry wins. Um, like we're talking about good old nine and three-year-old Bruce. That that's really what Michigan's looking at. You're looking at a good coach, but never a great one. And someone who's never going to get you over the hump. And uh, I guess it's, it's going to be an interesting test of their metal to see how long they're okay with that. So, yeah. and, and, you know, if it's a Michigan man, maybe they're always okay with it. Maybe they'll be eternally okay with it. I don't know. Um, all right. Last one here real quick. This is a less existential question. Uh, but this is, uh, from our good friend Alvin. He just wants to know, should Garrett Wilson, be relinquished from his punt return duties and just uh, told to kind of concentrate on the pass catching stuff. By the way, does anyone need to, to catch punts? That's, that's what I feel like. Just go ahead and let them bounce. You know, <laughs> I feel like attempting to catch punts is worse than actually not feeling them at all.
1: I, I think the thing that really frosted my flakes during that game was this whole, you know, like, comedy of changing jerseys on the (laughs) sideline like seriously what are we i mean i i mean i've i've gotten over my like you know get off my lawn old man grumpiness about more than one guy on the team wearing the number two for example like i did i had to laugh though i did get a text from somebody one day a couple weeks ago was you know a a non-ohio state friend you know from from somebody uh, elsewhere in the country texting me like what's this deal with your team having people with, you know, multiple you know, numbers. And I sent a note back. I'm like, you know, we're not the only team that does this. Like this That's isn't great. a unique Ohio state thing. It's a thing that, that has happened. But so, so I've got over that, but I think the whole changing jerseys on the sideline, that like, like, it's like the bridge too far for me, guys. Like, it's a little silly. <laughs> Oh yeah. It's, a it's not, it's not that big a deal. Uh, no, I mean, hey, I, I will say the one thing I respect about Urban Meyer's approach to special teams, um, well, well, Jim Tressel too, is for that way. That's how you earn time on the field. Like, I'm, I'm good with that because I think – you know, that's how you and that's why Ohio State's been so good at special teams, right, is because you you set that expectation that right. this is so important that if you, you want your time, best players
0: out there, you tell them yeah. to do what you got to do. That's yep. how you earn playing time. And it's, I love it. I love that. I think it's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change a thing about that. I mean, I, I, you know, I I'm, I'm kind of with you in that. Uh, I, I don't like I don't like having this like sitting on a, like, in a little bubble here. Like, are they gonna are they gonna feel the pun? Are they gonna muff it? Are they gonna? And I don't necessarily think you know Wilson's going to be one that you're just constantly worried about muffing. The no, punt. I don't think so I, I, I don't think that. I, I'm not really worried about that. But uh, I do I do. What on the flip side of that, there's a part of me that says you know you go for it more often than than what teams do. I do think there's some statistical analysis that could be done there on you know are are you too conservative at times although i think in ohio state's defense in recent years they've gotten better about that going for it uh, yeah, more frequently than maybe conventional wisdom would say so i like i like being aggressive on that side of the ball uh, maybe more so than on the other it'd be nice yeah. to see one break off a return like you you don't see that as much right you I mean, really last don't. time we saw ohio state break off a return for a touchdown it's it's been a hot minute
0: yeah, it has, and it, you you really gotta have a special player for that, and, and so you know, a lot of it's about field position. I understand that, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's just kind of funny that that's the the real butt clenching part of Ohio State, yeah, right. the Ohio right. State football watching experience, right? Like you okay, get okay, we're cool on third and twenty, that we'll get that, but fielding a punt, let's let's all hold hands and hope it goes okay. Um, <laughs> so anyway that's ask us anything thank you for sending those questions and continue to do so last thing before we get out of here what is your prediction for the wisconsin game
1: so last time these two teams met uh final score was 38 to 7 i don't think it'll be that close i think i think we're going to see, see something more along the lines of like 42 7 49 7 i'm you know, Wisconsin probably gets some points on the board. I won't say it's going to be a shutout. but hey, you know what? fifty nine to zero has happened. so <laughs> uh, you know i I think I think the shutout under the lights is is a real possibility, but but I'll say my official my official pick would be forty two forty two seven.
0: Gotcha. I, you know, look, I'm, I'm not that optimistic. I think Ohio state will put up roughly that many points. I think it'll be something like 38, 42 uh, points. Um, But I think Wisconsin, you know, they're going to, they're going to go for broke. I mean, they have no reason not to. And again, their best player is going to be their workhorse, but you know, they might break one cone. Look, Cone has the ability to throw for some yards so I think you might see something more like 4217, 4214 along those lines. But I, I'm with you. I think Ohio State has their number, and um, I think pretty much everybody knows it. So I hopefully that's the way it works out. Obviously, stranger things have happened. I'm not discounting something really wild or goofy happening. You never know, especially in the Big Ten Championship game. Um, and things have gone a little too good so far with Ohio State this year, which makes me suspicious, <laughs> as always. So we'll see how that works out, but uh, I'm excited. And and we'll be talking about it right after uh, the Big Ten Championship, which hopefully will result in Ryan Day's first. So I'm excited about it, and we'll see you next week. So until then, I'm Johnny. I'm Andy. And talk to you next time.